Father God, would you take my weak and foolish words and would you, by your Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and minds and change our lives. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Jesus' baptism. Jesus comes to John to be baptised. And um, that raises a big question. Why does, why, why does Jesus come to be baptised? Before I, I go any further, is there a picture or image on the screen? I will just come down and... Uh... <coughs> Thank you very much. Why was Jesus baptised when he didn't really need to be baptised? After all, he had nothing to repent of. And I think there are three three reasons why Jesus is baptised. First of all, he is baptised as an act of obedience. When Jesus comes to John to be baptised, John realises that he doesn't need it, so he says to him, you don't need to be baptised. If anybody should be being baptised here, it should be me and you should be doing it. But, but Jesus says to him, let it be so for now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfil all righteousness. It's quite a difficult statement, but, but what it seems to be saying is Jesus is saying, I'm going to be baptised because it's the right thing to do, because it's what God wants me to do. Uh, and that decision, at the very beginning of his ministry, set the pattern for his life. He lived a life of obedience. Secondly, Jesus was baptised uh, as an act of identification. When Jesus is baptised, he's saying, I choose to identify myself with all those who have chosen to be baptised. That also is the way of Jesus. When he was born, he left heaven and became a human being, <laughs> to identify himself with human beings. When he went to the cross, he chose to identify himself with us in our sinfulness as he hangs on the cross. When he died, the giver of life chose to identify himself with us in the very deepest of pits. Is the picture showing now? Probably you might have difficulty seeing it because of the light, so for which I, I do apologise. What we have here is the orthodox icon of the baptism. Um, it, it shows Jesus at the bottom of the pit. I'm not going to explain this in detail today because I've done that before in other occasions. And I appreciate that if you're not familiar with icons, this might look very weird. But it's an image which tells a story. There's John the Baptist. He's the large figure on the, on the left in black. There's Jesus in the river. And there's even, you won't be able to see it because of the, because of the size of the image. There's even an axe by a broken tree right on sort of the far side, the left-hand side of, of the picture. 
it's an image which tells the story, but it also helps us to understand what is going on in Jesus' baptism. The Son of God has come from heaven and as an act of obedience has gone into the pit. The grungy bit at the bottom is very similar to how hell is depicted in the icon of the resurrection. And no wonder the angels on the right are looking on in stunned and rather sorrowful amazement. So Jesus was baptised as obedience. He was baptised as an act of identification, coming right down into the pit with us. And thirdly, Jesus is baptised as an act of witness. When Jesus is baptised, the voice from heaven reveals to us who Jesus is. And if you notice in the reading, it says, heaven is opened. And as the Spirit of God descended like a dove, came to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the first time in Matthew's Gospel that we're specifically introduced to the Father. Um, he is the true voice. I don't know whether anybody... Does anybody here watch The Voice? One or two people. One or two down here, one or two back there. Uh, for those who don't know, you know there are the four panellists. They sort of turn their backs, sit, sit in chairs. They can't see the people. People come on and they sing. And if there's a voice that they think really grabs them, they turn round. Well, this is the voice. This is the voice of all voices, which will grab. And we're introduced here as well to the Holy Spirit and the unique Son of God. We need to remember that the one who is baptised is the eternal Son of God. He's shown in, in the icon here as, as the ideal person. Um, you might not think that looking at that figure, but that is sort of the, for, for the time, the sort of proportions of the body is the ideal figure, the transfigured, divinized figure. He is the one on whom the Spirit rests. You can see the arrow coming down and the little circle, in the circle there's a dove. He is the one who makes the two figures in the water at the bottom, their symbols of the sea and the river Jordan, look like nothing. He is greater than any who pretend to be a Neptune or a Poseidon or for that matter any other false god. And he is the one who blesses from the pit, blesses the pit from within the pit. His hands are in the shape of a blessing. Light comes from them uh, and they penetrate through the water. He creates life. There are, there are little fishes in the sea, little red fishes, symbols of believers. And because of him, what seems like a tomb becomes a, like a life-giving river that flows out to whoever stands in front of this image. The reason that Jesus was obedient to his Father, the reason that Jesus, the eternal Son of God, identifies with us is so that he might bless us. He becomes one of us so that we might become like him. And in doing that, he witnesses to his Father and to the Spirit. So what about us? What about those of us who have not been baptised? What about those of us who have been baptised, whether as a child or as an adult? It doesn't matter. 
Well, for those who haven't been baptised, I would really like to challenge you and encourage you to seriously consider being baptised. And for those who have, of us who have been baptised, I'd like to challenge us to live that. You see, there are three reasons for us being baptised. They're the same as the reasons for Jesus. We're baptised in obedience to God. Jesus commands it. We've had that reading from Peter in Acts chapter 2 where Peter was telling his listeners about God and about Jesus. And at the end they are struck with remorse and they say, what must we do to be saved? And Peter says, repent and be baptised. The only physical requirement that God asks of anybody to become a believer is the mark of baptism. And actually, all he's asking you to do is to allow somebody else to throw water over you in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's not a particularly demanding thing, but it is required. Jesus says, and Jesus commands his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them. If you are a believer, you must be baptised. Secondly, we're baptised in order to identify ourselves with Jesus. Jesus identifies himself with us in his baptism. We identify ourselves with him in our baptism. Paul says something like this in Romans chapter 6, where he says, don't you know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that we might rise again with him. And what I find helpful in the icon is that it's not... Well, it is John baptising Jesus here. He's laying his hand on Jesus um, it's lovely, his other hand is, is up there praising God. But, but it's almost as if John is placing his hand on Jesus' head and identifying himself with Jesus in his baptism. And when you are baptised, you are identified with Jesus when he was baptised. It's like wearing a t-shirt with the words, I am with him, emblazoned on your chest. I am with the eternal Son of God. I'm with the one who stripped himself of everything and became a human being, who suffered and died even death on a cross in order to bless human beings in this creation and bring glory to you. When we're baptised, we identify ourselves and we are identified completely with Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, we're baptised as a witness to Jesus. When a person is baptised as an adult, they publicly declare that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. They identify themselves with Jesus. At, that, at the baptism event, they're asked, do you turn to Christ as your Saviour? Do you submit to Christ as your Lord? Do you come to Christ the way, the truth and the life? Sometimes those words change, but the key is there. Some of the most powerful moments when, if you like, heaven is opened and God is revealed 
is when people formally and publicly declare themselves to be followers of Jesus and identify themselves with Jesus. It might happen at a baptism, or if someone was baptised as an infant, it, it can happen at confirmation, when people as young adults or as adults, as older adults, come and stand and publicly say, yes, I am with Jesus. The early Christians insisted on the need for everyone who was a follower of Jesus Christ to have received water baptism and so identify themselves with Jesus. They made one exception, and that was for martyrs, people who had become Christians but had had no time for baptism because they were arrested and because of their faith they were taken to the arenas and executed. They were treated as people who had been baptised, not with water, but with their own blood. And the word martyr comes from the Greek and means simply witness. I suspect that few of us, if any of us, will be called to physically give up our life for Jesus Christ. But even if we are not, please remember that when you were baptised, you did do exactly that. You gave up your life for Jesus Christ. Maybe you were a baby and had no, no decision about it, but that's what your parents were doing. They gave you up for Jesus. Or maybe as an adult, you were baptised. That's what you were doing. You gave up your life for Jesus. Paul says earlier, um, we were baptised, when we're baptised, we die to ourselves. He says of himself, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. If I'm being dramatic and I want to make a point and I'm talking to perhaps people who are thinking about a christening or baptism, I say to them, do you realise when the water is poured over you or, or, or your child or, or, or when they go down into the water, if we're talking about full immersion, it is as if we are putting ourselves or our child in our coffin. Imagine your coffin there. And when you're baptised, what you're doing and what we're doing is effectively getting into it and lying down in it. And we're saying, I am now dead. I am dead to my ambitions, to my possessions, to my hopes, to my strengths, to my successes, to my achievements, to my weaknesses, to my failures. I am dead to them all. And then we are lifted up and we get up and we get out and we come alive as new people, alive to God. And of course, one of the really, really brilliant implications of that is we don't need to fear the coffin because we've already been there. We're already dead. You can't die a second time. We're alive with Jesus. So the witness is not just the act of baptism. When we live as someone who has been baptised, as someone who is learning to daily die to ourselves and come alive to God, 
then your life and my life declares that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that really leads me to my final point. Baptism is both an event and a state. It's like marriage. There's the event of marriage and the state of marriage. We have the event of marriage. Couples walk up here. They make their vows. But then we have the state of marriage. And for your marriage to have any meaning, you need to live those vows out with your partner as one who is in a marriage. In the same way, there is the event of baptism, when the vows are made. But if that baptism is to have any meaning or power, then it needs to be lived out. We need to live with Jesus as one who is baptised. And that means living a lifestyle of obedience to Jesus, of identification with Jesus, and of witness to Jesus. For many people, the event of baptism can be immensely costly. It could be somebody who has all their life publicly stood against Christianity, and suddenly God zaps them, and it's, they've got a really humble power in coming forward and saying, no, I want to receive baptism. It could be for people who come from a nominal Christian background. The decision to be baptised can have very painful consequences. People will say, you've betrayed your family, you've betrayed your culture, you've betrayed your local community. You want to better yourself, or you think you're better than us. And, and there can be real hostility when people take that decision to have the event of baptism or confirmation, if you were christened as a child. And for all of us, though, there will be times when living in the state of baptism will be immensely costly. There will be times when God takes us down deep into the water, when he asks us to let go of all that we find comfortable and secure and precious and familiar, Maybe he calls us to do something we would far rather not to do. But we have to make the decision whether we're going to be obedient, identify ourselves with Jesus and witness to him. But the baptism of Jesus also shows us that it's really worth it. It's worth it because of what the blessing it brings to others. But also, if you notice, as Jesus comes out of the water, there is that precious voice from heaven. And it's worth it, a life of obedience, of identification, of witness, to hear with Jesus, our Heavenly Father, say to the host of heaven, to open-mouthed angels, to all of creation, this is my son, this is my daughter, who I love. With him, with her, I am well pleased.